Thursday, April 14th, just baseball show top 10 relievers today. They do one or two things really, really well. They're fun to watch. Uh, and we're going to talk about them. Jack McMullen, Peter Apple. But before we talk about that, we're going to talk about the 80 pitches through seven innings before you get to the top 10 relievers in baseball. Uh, Clayton Kershaw looked like vintage Kershaw. Looked like he was putting together the best start of his career. He had 13 punch outs in seven innings and 80 pitches. I understand why Dave Roberts did it, but come on, dude. Our good friends at Codify put out a great tweet and they said, and they listed all of the pitchers who have been pulled in this type of scenario with 80 pitches, seven innings of a perfect game. Jack, do you think you can name any of the pitchers or do you have an idea of how many pitchers were named? Zero. Zero fucking pitchers were named. That's the point. Yes, it does make sense, I guess, in the early goings to limit your pitcher. But if you were watching that game, because I'd like to say our play of the year that we put out on TikTok, we put out on our chalkboard app, which is our big baseball group chat that you can find in the episode description. The link is in there. I marked it as the play of the year because it was Clayton Kershaw against Minnesota Twins and Chris Paddock, who gets crushed every single time. And watching Clayton Kershaw go through each batter like they had no chance. Luis Arias struck out twice against him. He doesn't strike out at all. And he never strikes out twice in a game. He struck out Byron Buxton twice. Like it was poetry in motion. It was vintage Kershaw. He threw an 84 mile an hour changeup that got a swing and miss. Like he doesn't do that, but he was doing it that game. The curveball was good. The slider was unhittable. And he was only at 80 pitches, Jack. So yeah. if he went two more innings at around 11, 12 pitches, is he done for the postseason if he does that? Well, the, there's no data. There's no evidence to back that up. I understand. But I'm sure you remember Matt Harvey when he was coming back from Tommy John surgery. I think Scott Boris took out an insurance policy on his arm in case the Mets went through malpractice with Matt Harvey's elbow. Um, with Kurt, like it's, it's a different story if you're looking at somebody like Julio Urias or Walker Bueller. Or you know what? Let's up it a little bit more. Dustin May. If Dustin Andrew May is Heaney. coming back from Tommy John... You know, yes, you're going to be cautious with him, but the reality is he's a mid-20s right-hander that throws gas. If he's got a perfect game, you just let him hang out there and ride. There's a chance that Clayton Kershaw wasn't going to pitch again. We were talking about this in September of last year, right? Is he just going to quit? Is he going to retire? He already has a Hall of Fame caliber career. What's he going to do now? I know he likes doing other things, and he's hurt again. He comes back. You do have to be very cautious of him, but listen. If you ask Clayton Kershaw, he would have absolutely said, give me the fucking ball. I want the eighth inning, Dave. This isn't a no hitter that we're talking about as well. No hitter. It's a passing perfect game. Team. I was like, I was like, okay, if it's a no hitter, you know, we had three walks or something. I'm like, okay, whatever. Not good, but I understand. Not a perfect game. 
Not when less than 30 have been thrown in the history of the sport. Not when Clayton Kershaw is also one of the best pitchers in the regular season history. And then he gets to put this on his mantle. It's like another one of those great things that the great Clayton Kershaw was able to do throughout his career. And he's not going to get it. Clayton Kershaw threw the greatest non-perfect game outing in major league history, better than Kerry Woods, 20 punch outs that no hitter that he threw against Colorado. I want to say that was 2014 or 2015. He threw a no hitter, no walks, no hits. He struck out 15. The only player to reach base was on a fielding air. Yep. So he was as close to perfect as you could possibly get. And people will argue that, you know, despite there being 28 perfect games in MLB history, that's a top 10 pitching performance of all time. Better than like half the perfect games. Now Clayton Kershaw had 13 punch outs through seven perfect innings. He had a chance to better that top 10 all time outing. And he's not given the chance because you have to go to Alex Vesia. I understand that it's cold as hell in Minnesota. I understand that it's April 13th. We're in week one of the season. The season just got going last Thursday, but damn, I wanted to see him give it a go. The one bright spot, Clayton Kershaw looks great. That's great for baseball. That's great for baseball, That's terrible for the rest of baseball. That is exceptional for the Dodgers. It's exceptional for the Dodgers, bad for the players, but it's just good for the sport to see one of the best not just be hankered down by injury. We, we're not seeing just the fall of Clayton Kershaw. And remember, first start, anything could still happen. But this was a Twins lineup, albeit without Carlos Correa, still a Twins lineup that he made look like preschoolers. Yeah. I mean, Byron Buxton 0 for 3 with three punch outs. Luis Arise, you mentioned he punched out twice. Gary Sanchez and Miguel Sano both had multiple strikeouts, but they do that every game. So (laughs) it's kind of a zero. Um, Yeah, it's interesting. I think Minnesota has better bats uh, down in St. Paul, or I guess over in St. Paul, about 15 minutes away. Uh, I just did game one yesterday. I've got this whole week of Indian Saints. Indianapolis is in St. Paul. Um, On Tuesday, it was a shortened five-inning game because of rain. O'Neill Cruz and Jose Miranda, the Twins farmhand, combined for three doubles and a triple. Cruz had a double and a triple. Miranda had two doubles. Among those four extra base hits, if you add up the exit velocities, it was well over 440 miles an hour. Like, I, I think that Miranda probably hit a double. He hit one of his doubles around 110, one of them around 105. And then you look at O'Neill Cruz, and that guy just peppers 110-mile-an-hour baseballs. They were so much better than everybody else on the field yesterday. And I'm excited to watch them throughout the entirety of this week because I do think those are two of the better players in minor league baseball right now. And they should probably be with the Pirates and the Twins. And that's what I wanted to ask you because we know about O'Neill Cruz. We know he's going to rake. We've talked about him on this podcast probably 40,000 times. But we haven't really talked a ton about the Twins farm system. And the Twins have some decent players in there. And I'm saying decent, some potential great players. Like Royce Lewis was a guy who they drafted first overall shortstop prospect, expected to be the next big thing, tears his ACL and now is working his way back. But reports at least show that he's, you know, pretty solid, but you're one of the reports you're in the building. How much better is Jose Miranda right now than Royce Lewis? A lot better. Royce Lewis can absolutely fly, but Jose Miranda was the best St. Paul Saint on the field. And Jose Miranda, arms hit on him a teensy bit, but let me just walk you through 
the OPS and the home run numbers throughout his last three years of minor league baseball. 2018, or again, he was a, what, he was a second round pick in 2016. So this is a guy that was taken out of high school in Puerto Rico. 2016, 2017, obviously spent in rookie ball. 2018 was his first year of full season minor league ball. In 2018, he had a 736 OPS and 16 home runs between low A and high A. Pretty solid for a younger guy. 2019, he kind of falls off the table. 671 OPS, eight bombs between high A and double A. But then you've got that COVID canceled 2020 minor league season and 2021 rolls around and Jose Miranda made himself a top 100 prospect because he hit 30 home runs and had a 973 OPS between double A and triple A. Jose Miranda is peppering the baseball. He's got one of those JD Martinez type swing pads where it just stays through the zone for so long. And with the big body that he has, he rips baseballs left and right. And he's got exceptional bat to ball skills, which is something we know Miguel Sano does not have. Did you team me up to talk about Miguel Sano and how much he sucks? Is that that's what you were leading me into? I'm just saying that there's a better option in AAA than what you're running out there every day. Yeah, I mean, you're totally right about that. I mean, you watch Miguel Sano and it's three true outcomes, except he doesn't walk. Right, so he's two outcomes. And he doesn't hit that many home runs. He's kind of one outcome. He's hitless so far this year. He just punches out. We are the podcast that just screams at front offices to bring up their stars because then they'll perform and then they'll be better. Like Bobby Wood Jr. is already probably not the best offensive player on the Royals, but like one of them. Like all these guys, O'Neill Cruz would be the best hitter on the Pirates probably right now. Not named Brian Reynolds. Not named Brian Reynolds. Probably better than Brian Hayes already. You're, maybe. And you're, pu- you're pulling up like your second best player. That's how good these guys are. Yeah. Some of the best players on your team. Torkelson has not been good so far. That's something to know. That's because it's cold outside. I've been telling you guys forever on this you podcast have. that Spencer Torkelson is not going to be good when it's cold outside. You did. I promise you. you. Said that. Like we, we could be the meteorologist with Spencer Torkelson. I mean, oh, it's sub 50 degrees. Torque is probably going to go 0 for 3 with a punch out today. Are you worried that now he's playing in Comerica Park, which is notoriously cold and huge? And does that Detroit, worry? Michigan is notoriously cold. Um, I'm not nervous because May 1st is going to roll around and Torque is going to go ballistic and he's still going to hit 35 bombs. His June, July and August is going to be eons better than any other rookie in Major League Baseball. But his April and front half of May are going to suck. We'll see what happens with Torque. If he can change that up, I hope for his sake he will because the Tigers want to play in October and November soon. And uh, if Torque can't hit in October or November, they're never going to be hoisting hardware. For all my not gambling people, we are going to be monitoring Spencer Torkelson's Rookie of the Year, his live line. It starts getting lower, you know, with Bobby Jr. and Stephen Kwan being the greatest player of all time. Them starting to take it and we see Torque drop off the map a little bit. You're going to see me coming in with a big old hammer waiting for Torque to get to use his big old hammer. Set an alarm 8 a.m. Eastern on May 15th. Hammer Spencer. We're live betting is we're live betting is rookie of the year. Let's talk about relievers. Let's talk about relievers. We've got the top 10 relievers in Major League Baseball today. And really, I mean, this is probably the most malleable list because our list last year and our list this year look totally different because the consent. 
Uh, there are yeah. some mainstays, yeah. but we've got guys like Garrett Whitlock. Whitlock's not top 10. He's one of our honorable mentions, but Garrett Whitlock was, I, I, who was that a year ago on this date? You know what I mean? He was, he was a guy that was DFA'd and picked up in the Rule 5 drafts by the Red Sox from the Yankees as a failed starter. And this now, list changes a lot. Yeah, it does change a lot. I think that's what you're pointing to because there's a couple of guys at the top, a couple of guys within the top 10 that are normally in the top 10, but I feel like there's five of those guys and then another five, even maybe higher than some guys who are normally ranked there, but have been just so utterly phenomenal. How can you not? Right. But then those five could bounce right out. Like that's just what happens. It's, it's a malleable list. They Relievers come and they go and it's... Like Brad Hand was the best in baseball like a couple years ago when now he can't get anybody out. And Andrew Miller can't get anybody out. Like these guys that were best in baseball two, three years ago. I, I just brought up Eric Gagne in conversation earlier today. It's the Think best at bat of all time. That's the best at bat of all time. Eric Gagne versus Barry Bonds. Best yeah. at bat of all time. Dude, Gagne was on top of the world for two years. Oh, yeah. And then where did he go? That's the shelf life of a reliever. You know, can steroids. they stick around for 10 years? In steroids. <laughs> okay, <laughs> moving on. Uh, let's, start with honor- let's start with our honorable mentions here. Uh, our first honorable mention is Edwin Diaz. He's been on the pursuit of that all-star season since 2018 with Seattle. He just hasn't regained that form. He saw it a teensy bit in 2020 with a sub-2 ERA, but he was right back to the mid-threes last year. Strikeouts are just Diaz's jam. He has a career K's per nine of 14 and a half. Even with a down year last year, he was striking out 13 hitters per nine innings. He's such a conundrum <laughs> because nice word. he's 102 with a 93 mile an hour slider. But when you think of a blown save, my first thought is Edwin Diaz. Is Edwin Diaz. Is Edwin Diaz. But some of the best stuff on top of that I've ever seen. So he's hard for my brain to know if he's truly good or not. Yeah, when I think of somebody pointing up, indicating a a fly ball and it leaves the yard, my first thought is Edwin Diaz. There it is. (laughs) It's up there. (laughs) That's the best video. I think there's multiple videos online. There's two of of them. Yeah, just minutes of him pointing up at at way gone bombs. You're not supposed to do that, Edwin Diaz. He does it regardless. I also like his delivery because he jumps at you. I, he gets more extension out of his frame than really anybody else. Agreed. Next honorable mention is the big money man, Kenley Jansen. One year, $16 million for a 34-year-old. Felt a bit steep, but this is a career 241 ERA guy that is second among active pitchers in career saves, only behind Craig Kimbrell. He's lost the juice on his sinker and cutter, both from a velo and a movement perspective. The pitches just aren't diving and running the way that they typically did but they both tick up because he's Kenley freaking Jansen. He is Kenley freaking Jansen. And he was Kenley freaking Jansen last year, last postseason, especially postseason. I mean, everything just from opening day till the end of the year, he was great. His cutter. It looked like a slider last year. I get on some of my, my friends who are Dodger fans. I've been making fun of them for years. I'm like, Kenley Jansen is effective, but his cutter's not moving. Like we watch him on TV and I go to pause the TV like mid and I'm like, it's not moving. But while that's happening, it's a swing and a miss from one of the best hitters in baseball, but it's not moving. That was always my thing last year. Couldn't do that again. It was moving. And he had one of the best years that he's had in this league so far. 
And, and it's not 98 anymore. You know, we've no. seen him zip in 98 mile an hour cutters that move like a slider, but that was prime Jansen. He's not prime Jansen anymore, but he's adapting and not dying, which is massive. And now he's in the nightmare, the night shift. In yeah, Atlanta. he's in the night shift with Matt Sick and, uh, well, Luke Jackson just went down with Tommy John, right? Mentor is there. Yeah, Jackson Will Smith. Went down with Tommy John, Will Smith, Colin McHugh now. The curveball yeah. is on real yeah it looks great dude McHugh and Jansen added to that bullpen is ridiculous and Will Smith slapping strikeouts on everybody get it slap uh next honorable (laughs) mention (laughs) next honorable mention Giovanni Gallegos he's got an elite three pitch mix with a fastball at 94 95 a slider at 86 and a change up at 87 there are more exciting arms in that Cardinal bullpen with Jordan Hicks I guess Jordan Hicks is now a starter um, Genesis Cabrera, Ryan Helsley, a healthy Alex Reyes. He's not healthy right now, but Gallegos has been the most consistent and probably the best in a really good Cardinals bullpen. Before we talk about Gallegos for a second, I was doing some research, obviously for the reliever stuff. Do you know Alex Reyes had 6.23 walks per nine last year? Yeah, no, he couldn't throw strikes during. I mean, that that was nuts. Like he's almost walking a guy every single inning that he. But he looked like he looked like. Ubaldo Jimenez in the first half. But that Alex Reyes is still a good pitcher. I just noticed that and it kind of, I was like, whoa, that's just so many walks per nine innings. No, but regardless, if you remember Giovanni Gallegos, Giovanni Gallegos was traded from the Yankees with Chase and Shreve for Luke Voigt from the Cardinals. Yeah. Now Luke Voigt is not a Yankee anymore. So who really won the trade there? It seemed like it was the Yankees, but Giovanni Gallegos has been one of the best relievers in baseball now for a while. He's and he third in F war since 2020. And he doesn't fit the mold of best reliever in baseball. He doesn't look like it. He doesn't look like it. And, and the pitch mix doesn't look like it. I mean, 95, 95 is like a 16 inch softball pitch compared to some of these guys on this list. But it, the, way, boring. the way that he tunnels 95 with the change up and the slider is really impressive. He's just a really, really good pitcher on top of it. Not just a flamethrower, just a pitcher's pitcher in the bullpen. One honorable mention, guy we already mentioned, Garrett Whitlock. He's a failed starter with the Yankees, turned mightily successful bullpen arm, acquired via Rule 5 draft. He figured out what works for him, living off of a sinker-slider combo with a 14-mile-per-hour velocity difference. That'll net you a sub-2 ERA and a four-year contract extension from Bloom. Whitlock knows what he's doing there, and all he needed to do was shed some of that, you know, mental weight and also just a couple of pitches and live with what works. I posted on Twitter because I was watching the Red Sox game against the Tigers, um, and I was like, this guy is straight up nasty, nasty. And I put it on Twitter, and a couple people were in my mentions saying, oh, he needs to start, he needs to start. And I see what they're saying because he has multiple different pitches that could be starter-esque, but why mess with it now? He failed as a starter originally with the Yankees and then went to the Red Sox and has now blossomed as this, you could put him in a Michael Kopech, Christian Javier type-ish role, but then you can also put him in the eighth of the ninth inning. Just have that. That's a great thing to have on your team. And it's clear that he's the best version of himself being this type of pitcher. Dude, I mean, when when Duncan Robinson got into the NBA, he he just decided that the only thing he needed to do was shoot, and he became a seventy million dollar man. Like that, you tell is... Duncan Robinson to get on the block and rebound. Like, no, no. You have them do what they're best at and what 
Whitlock is best at is clearly as a bullpen piece. It's emptying the tank for one inning. And he does it very well. But he, the thing is with Whitlock, n- not similarly to some of the other pitches on this list, he's not just a one inning guy. He could be three innings too. But yeah. I just don't know if you want to then move him into the starting rotation and be like, all right, now we're giving you five to six innings. You're only pitching once a week versus a couple of times a week. He's more effective in this role, especially now that Hauk is going to the rotation. Pavetta's in the rotation. Keep Whitlock in the bullpen. It's a different mindset. You know it. it. You know, if you're asking somebody to start, they want to go as long as possible. So they're pacing themselves out. Exactly. Whitlock, you don't want him pacing himself out because all the great stuff ticks down to average when he tries pacing himself out because he's operating at 75%. Now there are some guys where, yeah, they can empty the tank for a little bit and they can, they can go for so long, but the best starters in baseball know when to deploy max effort. And the best example of that is Justin Verlander when he won his MVP in Detroit, because he was a guy that was, you know, sitting 93 to 94 with the fastball in the first, second inning. And then he was sitting at 99 with his fastball in the eighth and ninth inning, because he knows when to deploy max effort. Whitlock might not have known that he might've just been at a baseline 80% as a starter in the minors. That's why it wasn't working. And now if he can go hundred percent for two innings, that's Pete Garrett Whitlock. But when we get into the top 10, these guys are just a bit different, just a bit different. One last honorable mention is Jonathan Loisiga. It was so much fun to watch it click for him in 2021. The best full season ERA of his career by nearly two and a half runs. He halved his career walk rate. He rolled ground balls at an absurd 64% clip. That 98 mile an hour sinker jumps on you like few pitches in baseball can jump on a hitter. Honestly, I think the Yankees have their next bullpen ace. I think they have their next bullpen ace too. And I texted you this morning. I was like, Loisica is better than our 10th best reliever. And you're like, no, stop. He's done it for a, a couple of months. And I'm like, yeah, but those two buds were like the most incredible two buds ever from a reliever. Yeah. Like in 2021, 2-1-7 ERA, just struck out everybody, didn't walk anybody. And his stuff, like his chase rate, he's in the 99th percentile of chase rate right? He's in the 99th percentile of average exit velocity, 96th percentile of hard hit rate. So they don't hit the ball, weak contact, and they're chasing after everything as well. It's because he works off a 98 mile an hour sinker. He is what the Yankees wanted Britain to be. Correct. And what they paid Britain to be. And instead, they have Loisaga for almost nothing, just taking that off Britain's back, basically. I don't know how else to, like, he just exactly replicated what Zach Britton should be doing with the Yankees, and he's getting paid almost nothing. I really do think that this is also the next kind of great reliever. And another notable omission, Camilo Duvall did not make this list, unfortunately. He just hasn't done enough yet. But he will be on this list soon. I love him. He looked not good opening weekend. I know. Didn't look great. That take is not going well so far, but the Seiya Suzuki take is going pretty well. Yeah, it's going really well. So let's get into the top 10. Yep. The 10th best reliever in baseball is Craig Kimbrell, and he's probably going to find himself in Cooperstown one day. Craig Kimbrell has a 2.19 ERA for his career. That's the third lowest ever for those that qualify behind Zach Britton and Mariano Rivera. He's also ninth all-time in saves, by the way. 
He has six seasons with an ERA below two, but 2019 and 2020 were downright bad. But 2021, Rocks is a 0.49 ERA with the Cubs, but then goes over the White Sox and gets blown up. When Kimbrell is on, he's one of the best of all time. When he's off, he's frankly unpitchable, but he still throws in the mid to upper 90s and the knuckle curve is not on this planet. He should do very well with his new Dodger teammates. Um, so I know baseball reference has Hall of Fame uh, tracking statistics. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I went to his baseball reference page and I wanted to see where he stacks up here because you said he, he might find himself in Cooperstown one day. And my immediate reaction is, no, nah, you're crazy. Like Craig Kimbrell's not a Hall of Famer. What Craig Kimbrell did in Atlanta from 2010 as a 22-year-old to 2014 as a 26-year-old is downright ridiculous. So let me pull up just his numbers in Atlanta. Tell um, the people, Jack. Tell the people what Craig Kimbrell has been doing now for the past decade. Craig Kimbrell, well, he hasn't done it for the past decade, but in his five years with the Atlanta Braves, Kimbrell, in 289 innings of work, struck out 476 guys. That's 15 punch outs per nine. He was striking out four and a half guys per every one walk issued. And across those 289 innings in Atlanta, he had a 1-4-3 ERA. He looked like the second coming of Mariano Rivera when he was in Atlanta. But then he started moving around. That failed Preller immediate rebuild in San Diego didn't really work out for Kimbrell. And then he goes to Boston and he was fine. And then he goes to the Cubs and he sucked at first. And then he was amazing. And then he got traded to the White Sox and he sucked. Now let's see what he does with the Dodgers because it is hot and cold. He is the Katy Perry song of Major League Baseball relievers. Um, I'm looking at this Hall of Fame um, tracker on baseball reference and the Hall of Fame monitor has him at 101. The likely Hall of Famer grades out at 100. So he's right in that likely Hall of Famer category right now. Um, they have certain things like black ink and gray ink, which I just have no idea what that means. So I'm going to stay away from it. And those numbers are well below the likely hall of fame average. Um, I, I think he needs two or three more great years Agreed. and the chances of him doing it in LA are, are very high. I mean, they just got there closer. That's my thing, Jack. We're projecting for 2022, obviously using track record 2019 to 2021. And, but we know what Craig Kimball has now done for years we both are under the impression that he's going to be awesome with the Dodgers. Yeah. Like absolutely awesome. So if he has two more great years as their closer, let's say he saves, he gets 60 saves in the, in the next two years and his ERA is below three. It's probably a hall of famer. He stays on the ballot longer than Joe Nathan. I thought Joe Nathan should have been a hall of famer. We talked about our episode. Yeah, I, I didn't think so. Um, He's like the most underrated dude ever. He's so good. He was so good for so long. But I think Kimbrel's better. Yeah, I think Kimbrel's better than Joe Nathan. I do too. And so Joe Nathan stay on, on the ballot. ballot I think Craig Kimbrel should be on the ballot all 10 years. It, dependent on these next few years. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. Number nine is Jordan Romano. I'm going to make this quick. Jordan freaking Romano has been elite since the start of 2020. In the COVID-shortened season, he allowed just two earned runs in 14 and two-thirds. Okay, very small sample size in 2020, but then let's kick it to 2021. He struck out 34% of hitters and again held opponents to a batting average under 190. 
He does it with two pitches. He does it with a 98-mile-an-hour fastball and an 88-mile-an-hour slider. 10-mile-per-hour difference. Both are stupidly ridiculous. And Jordan Romano, if you haven't paid attention, Toronto has their guy. Jordan Romano's slider is so gross. It's gross. It's got a lot more vertical dip than the typical slider does. It almost looks like a tight curveball. And the reason I brought up that first, that his slider is so good, is that his fastball is even better. 140 batting average against the pitch. Yeah, Off opponents his did fastball, not hit. He threw it 62% of the time compared to his slider around 37% of the time. Opponents hit 231 off that, but the expected batting average off the slider was 186. The, it, he has two elite pitches that nobody can touch. And it's another one of these guys who, you know, he's a 28 year old, doesn't have a ton of track record in baseball, but is so unbelievable right now. And his stuff is so unbelievable that how can you not put him on the top 10, especially when he's the closer for the Blue Jays and should dominate this year? And again, the list changes so often. Jordan Romano, if you've been good for a year and a half, you're a top 10 reliever in baseball because this list is constantly churning. Like in 2019, he had a 7-6-3 ERA. In 2020, he had a 1-2-3 and then a 2-1-4 ERA in 2021. Give him a career ERA of 2-8-1. But like a third of his seasons was a 7. That's just what relievers are. And it's hard to rank them, but regardless of the polarization of relievers, this Jordan Romano guy is pretty damn good. We do it anyways. <laughs> we do it anyways. How about number eight? The eighth best reliever in baseball is a role as Chapman of the New York Yankees. And you can make an argument for Chapman being the best in baseball. And you could also make the same argument that he shouldn't even make this list. If you look at Chapman's savant page, it's as red as possible. You look at his stats and you realize that he hasn't had an ERA over 3.5 since 2011. But Chapman gets a lot of blame for the blowups in the biggest spots and for good reason. The thing is, he's always in the big spots. He's always in the biggest moments with the Yankees. It's every year in the postseason. But overall, his cumulative body of work is really incredible. And his splitter might be even better than his 103-mile-an-hour fastball. His splitter is ridiculous. Have you seen it lately? Yeah, it looks unreal it doesn't spin the The rpms on it was like 850 that's that's not that's not using normal gravity no it's a 92 mile an hour knuckleball at times actually it is and then he puts in the slider as well when slider has always been great would you say that chapman still has the best stuff of any reliever in baseball because i think i would With now that he's added this splitter that's unhittable with the slider and then 103 mile an hour fastball, it's just sometimes he comes in throwing 96 and you're like, well, he's blowing it today. That's how that's the Chapman barometer, similar to the Dansby Swanson barometer. The Chapman barometer, if he's 102, first pitch fastball, good night, good night. If he's 97, consider the game blown. It's crazy. It's crazy. crazy. And And I know you watch it all the time. The yeah, first you can fucking pitch. You can tell on the first pitch, and, and I know you watch it all the time as a Yankee fan, but the Araldis Chapman that I think a lot of people know is the one that has a thousand strikeouts and six hundred innings. That's a good number. You know what I'm saying? Thousand strikeouts and six hundred innings. Yeah, I, I rounded <laughs> a little bit. He's got a thousand and seven strikeouts in, in six hundred and six and two thirds innings. Not as sexy. 
but a thousand and six hundred. <laughs> I mean, that's close enough, right? Uh, here's a more palatable number. He's striking out 15 guys per nine in his career. Here's another palatable number. Fastest pitch ever at 105.7. Exactly. Uh, 105.6, I want to say. It's it's in there. Yeah. I mean, Chapman as a 22-year-old came up and threw a ball 105 miles an hour. And the fact that that a 34-year-old is still throwing the ball 102 – I mean, 2010, we're 12 years removed from 105, and he's still throwing 102. Do you still have the Hall of Fame barometer pulled up? I do for Chapman. Because Chapman, with a couple more years from him, he'd be in the same conversation with Kimbrell. Yes, he is farther behind Kimbrell. So Kimbrell's Hall of Fame monitor was at 101. Chapman's at 84. Hmm. I would think that would have been much closer. It's interesting. Maybe it's he probably won't ever be on saves. Yeah, probably. Smiling after Altuve. It wasn't really a smile, but like no, it was like in the moment. Kidding? That in the moment. Afterwards, it was obviously just like, oh my dear lord, I just blew it, and it's almost like smiling because you can't believe it. But in that moment, when I saw him, I almost threw my TV out my apartment. I, I was so pissed off. Not only at the moment. But then the smile where he's like, I think he was, I think he was shocked. And I think he knew what was going on because that was 2017. Absolutely. It was a fan moment, but I was uh, one of the most mad I've ever been at sports. Was so that moment. I think he was so mad to the point that he was incredulous and all he could do was smile. That's how I, that's how I then figured it out and came to peace. But in the moment I, I was like, get him off the team. I never want to see him again, ever. I never want to watch him pitch on another team. I hope he doesn't play in Major League Baseball. But I came to my senses, and now I'm okay. (laughs) I understand. Seventh best reliever in baseball is Blake Trinan. The turbo sinker, he was the best reliever in the world in 2018 with Oakland. He had a .78 ERA, a .83 whip, and a .158 opponent batting average. He hunted replicating that, and he gave it his best shot in 2021 with a sub-2 ERA and a sub-1 whip. 2021 was a different arsenal for Trinan, though. In 2018, he had a 50% sinker usage rate and 11% cutter usage rate. 50% sinker, 11% cutter. Last year, 28% sinker, down from 50%, and 30% cutter, up from 11%. The new Trinan is still a stud. It's not 2018 because he's never going to throw that 101 mile an hour turbo sinker again. But if the sinker's still at 98 and the cutter has gotten better, Trinan can still be locked down. Alex Bregman is doing a lot of top fives on his YouTube channel. And they're actually pretty cool. He ranks like, uh, um, he ranked cities that he liked to go to, road cities. He ranked shortstops. He ranked third baseman. He ranked defensive players. But I was watching one of the videos and he was talking about Blake Trinan. And he said that when you face a pitcher multiple times, you know, it's, it's easier to adjust to them the second time, you know, what's coming. Right. He said that he's faced Blake Trinan now multiple times and he's asked people in his own locker room. You can't adjust to what he does. What he does is not a pitch that we ever see at all from Bruce or Gratterall, maybe, but this turbo sinker is almost a new pitch in major league baseball because a turbo sinker has not been prevalent throughout history 
No. I mean, think about the great relievers in baseball, Mariano with the cover, with the cutter, Trevor Hoffman with the changeup. What was Lee Smith's best pitch? I don't know. Too young for that, but he's one of the best relievers of all time. But these guys didn't have 100 mile an hour turbo sinker. So Blake Trinan really is, I guess, the new guy with the turbo sinker. And nobody has been able to figure it out since 2018. That's my point. That no matter how many times you face Blake Trinan, he's not like normal pitchers where good hitters can then adjust the second or third time around. You'll never adjust and you only hit it if you're lucky. Yeah. I just looked up Lee Smith. It just looks like he's he was a 95 mile an hour fastball guy. Back in the day, that was 105, though. Exactly. So I guess the forcing fastball was Lee Smith's best pitch. Is Lee Smith third in saves? Ah, uh, let me look it up. Should be Mariano Trevor Hoffman Lee Smith. Career save leaders, Mariano Trevor Hoffman, Lee Smith, and then K Rod. Wow, I, I would not have said K-Rod 4, though. <laughs> K-Rod. Shout out K-Rod. Well, he had what? He had 437 career saves. I think 410 came in that one year. <laughs> you remember when K-Rod just closed every game? Didn't he save 59 games? He saved 62 games in 2008. Unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, the, the Diamondbacks had 52 wins last year. <laughs> he saved 62 games. That's every game he saved all right, we, we've been talking a lot about Trevor Hoffman, and that's why I'm so excited to talk about our sixth best reliever in baseball. Because when you think best changeups of all time, you think Pedro Martinez, maybe Trevor Hoffman, but Devin Williams' changeup is up there, and he checks in at number six. He throws it more than his fastball with 43 inches of drop and 17 inches of horizontal movement. It's like a curveball, slider, and a changeup all rolled into one breaking ball. His breakout season in 2020 was otherworldly. He threw 27 innings and allowed one earned run while striking out nearly two hitters in every inning. If he was anywhere else besides Milwaukee, he'd be one of the best closers in baseball, but instead he's the best eighth inning guy in the game. Him punching a wall was like the worst thing ever last year. (laughs) I was so excited for the October where you have Burns, Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta handing the ball over to Devin Williams in the seventh, and then Hayter comes in in the eighth and gets six out saves. Don't forget about Brad Boxberger. Yeah, true. Sorry. (laughs) Or Ashby. Like, you get through six, and then in the seventh, you go to Ashby, and then in the eighth, you go to Devin Williams, and then in the ninth, you go to Hayter. In the seventh, you go to Boxberger because he's elite. Yeah. <laughs> Ashby is a swing man. Boxberger is that. But we're not talking about Brad Boxberger. And I'm like kind of joking, but Brad Boxberger really is a seven. He is a guy. Oh, he was good. He was good. He is good. But, but Devin I, Williams is a death. It is a different story. I know he punched a wall and that sucks. And that's an idiot move. Like that. Idiot no doubt move. about it. Hwaskar and Noah punching a wall. They're both 0-2 against the wall. Nobody <laughs> is 1-0 against the wall. They just aren't like punching no, walls. Carl- Carlos Quinton um, back when Zambrano? he was putting together like an MVP caliber season. Zambrano, I feel like is like one and four against walls. Zambrano, his big <laughs> problem was with like Gatorade jugs. Zambrano, that was his big issue. Hated him. Hated him. And batting practice. I mean, that dude would blow his back out in batting practice constantly. He hit jacks though. But Devin Williams, change up from hell, mid to high 90s fastball. 
Can't hit him. He's the best Robin to haters Batman there is. He is the best Robin in baseball. He's the best Pippin in baseball. Probably the best off-speed pitch in the game right now. The changeup? Yeah, probably. Uh, Chapman's splitter is up there, too. Devin Williams' changeup is better. It I is. mean, Brash's slider. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. Brash's slider. Bummer's slider. Yeah, damn, it's good. All right. Top five, Ryan Presley is the fifth best reliever in baseball. He's the best reliever on this list that the average baseball fan might not necessarily be familiar with. Mm -hmm. In 2019, Presley had the best year of his career to date. In 2021, he bettered that. Last year, Presley had a 2.25 ERA and a whip under one while walking fewer than two guys per every nine innings. What he uses can be flashy, but for the most part, it isn't. A mid-90s fastball a 90-mile-an-hour slider, and a hard tumbling curveball that sits 82 to 83. The way he mixes those three is elite. Fastball 40% of the time, slider 36% of the time, curveball 24% of the time. You are always guessing with Ryan Presley in all three pitches. He locates wherever he wants, and he's going to get you out. Presley has always been pretty good i don't feel like presley came absolutely out of nowhere because he started his career with the twins back in 2013 had a 387 era then in 2014 had a 286 2015 293 era with the twins like from 2013 to 2018 ish with the twins he was a really good bullpen arm but then he went to houston and he stopped walking people start striking out more people and even the stuff ticked up. He's had a really solid career so far. And that's highlighted by a three to one ERA first career. He's just been a good reliever now for a long time, but it feels like he came out of nowhere because he's just been recently in the spotlight. Right. But even, even now, is he actually in the spotlight? Because I think you go up to a lot of very casual baseball fans and you say, do you know what team Ryan Presley's on? They say, no, no idea. The thing is, we're about to talk about our fourth guy, and I feel like that could be the vibe here, too. I just feel like that's the general vibe around relievers, but your point about it being Presley is, is well-deserved because I don't feel like a lot of people are keen on it yet because, you know, they still hate the Astros. It's that guy who beat their team when he came into the ninth and you already turned off the TV because you're like, the stupid cheating Astros just beat us. But and like, your thought goes reality, to the offense. The thought goes to the offense, you know, the thought maybe goes to the starting pitching and McCullers and Framber and Verlander, but really Presley in the back end is incredible. And that's the reason like he was the closer over Graveman because he's better than Graveman. Even though Graveman's pretty good, but our fourth best is a bit better than both of those guys. Our fourth best reliever just signed an extension to be the Angels closer for the next four years. And man, did he earn that money? That's Rossell Iglesias with the Los Angeles Angels. Iglesias has been one of the best relievers in baseball for a while now, but last year he was excellent, put up a 2.61 ERA, is even lower peripheral stats, and he was second in F4 among all relievers. But since 2020 is what I'm talking about here. He's third in saves and second in strikeouts per nine, and he doesn't walk anybody. He's a four-pitch reliever who fills up the zone with the upper 90s heat and an otherworldly breaking ball. He's really electrifying to watch. And at 32, Rossell Iglesias still has many prime years in front of him. Does he? 
I think he does. I don't know if it's four prime years, but I think this year he's going to be awesome. Next year, he's going to be awesome. And then the next year, I think he'll start to teeter off a little bit. And then that fourth year is going to look like Zach Britton's year because that's yeah. how reliever contracts work. I don't see an age 34 Rice Iglesias being good, but I can see 32 and 33 being really good. There we go. That's this year and next year. Yeah. And we know you never hand out long deals to relievers and a long deal for a reliever is three years. <laughs> I was just the most surprised to see Iglesias atop almost every single stat that I was looking at. I mean, I, I think that had to do with, you know, I, I think a lot of the surprise has to do with the Angels not necessarily being in contention last year as soon as Trout goes down. Because yeah. that's a West Coast team that the majority of the country is not watching because they're already asleep. Um, and, and you're focused on Otani. And when you see Otani do his stuff in the first inning, in the fourth inning, in the fifth inning, you don't really stay up until the ninth inning of the West Coast game. And Rysel Iglesias, he was locked down in the ninth inning of West Coast baseball games. One o'clock in the morning. That's why I get upset. Yeah, I mean, listen, we're morning people. We, we can't love Rysel Iglesias because we're morning people. That's just how I'm that works. Morning person. I mean, I, I've watched Rysel Iglesias, of course, but again, he's a guy who probably the pitcher on this list if i could be completely honest have the least experience in watching you know he came over from the reds angels i just haven't seen a ton of him but from yeah. what i've seen it's electrifying it's electric it's absolutely and he deserves electric. and he deserves to be the fourth best reliever in baseball yeah look at the stats he's top three in everything yeah and he's our fourth best guy is that that's because everybody else is so fucking good dude so fucking good emmanuel classe is a video game character 2021 was his breakout campaign, and he proved that he was not a fluke, and that's why he's the third best reliever in the game right now. He rolled ground balls at a 68% clip. Opponents had a 481 OPS against him and an average exit velocity of 86 miles an hour. That's really, really soft. He sat at 100 miles an hour with his cutter last year, and that pitch alone had a 75% ground ball rate. Turned to his slider, opponents hit 113 against it. Pick your poison because each one will kill you very quickly. Each one will kill you very quickly. The cutter. The cutter is. Class A's cutter is probably the best pitch in baseball. Trying to, I was trying to figure out a way to say that, but it might just be the best pitch in baseball. Like is Corbin Burns cutter better if you put Corbin Burns in one inning and had him see what it was like compared to class A maybe but the cutter sat 100 the cutter sat sat 100 100. it topped at 103 and an induced ground balls at a 75 percent clip and i might be wrong about this this is something i heard and i thought i read it too but maybe you might know more about this class a doesn't throw like a cutter like you might normally would he throws a well he does throw a cutter but it's just the way he throws the ball. It has natural cut to it. Yes, like he's not he's, actively trying to throw a cutter. Right. So you know how like a lot of guys have natural arm side runs. So their four yeah. seam fastballs move and they might dive a little bit. You see it a lot with left-handed pitchers. With Classe and with some righty pitchers, there's some natural cut just with the arm swing and how the wrist rotates. And that that's what Classe does. The slider, he almost like, 
I, I'm thinking of the right way to do this because the, the torque from the wrist. It's like so hard turn. to describe how he does it, dude. Like we're trying to like think of how he does it's It's not something that we can like think of though. So I, I've, I've talked to a lot of pitching coaches that I explain it like you're opening a doorknob, right? You're twisting the wrist and you're snapping it off. You, a lot of guys snap off a slider and with the cutter, they just somewhat turn, like they almost half turn it and they just let it ride there. Class has got a lot of natural cuts. So when he releases it, his fingers are in that natural position to just cut it. And he doesn't need to worry about turning the doorknob halfway. The slider, he almost throws with the same intensity that other people throw their cutter, which is why it can be 92 miles an hour. So his movements are more abbreviated than the average pitcher's movements on a cutter and slider. And that's what allows him to throw it so hard. I think we gave class A special privileges as well to be this high on this list as well. Because when you turn on the TV and you watch class A, he could only pitch one inning. I'm all about the fucking eye test, baby. Watching class A, it's watching a different type of pitch. Yes, it's it's watching like it is. That's entertainment. You've got to look at professional sports from an entertainment lens. And Emmanuel class A, much like Shohei Otani, much like Juan Soto, much like Acuna, much like Tatis, Class A provides the greatest entertainment value out of any big league bullpen arm, and it's not close. This next guy is pretty entertaining, though. If you told us our second best reliever should be number one, I don't think we'd say that you're wrong, but Liam Hendricks of the White Sox checks in at number two. Here are all the stats he leads in since 2020. K per nine. Walk per nine, ERA, FIP, XFIP, WAR, and a bunch of others that I don't feel like listing out. He was fantastic in 2021, putting up a career high in strikeout rate, holding to a 2.54 ERA, and led the league in saves. Hendricks is hard, harder, and hardest, featuring a 90s, high 90s fastball, a high 80s slider, and even a mid to high 80s curveball that he uses once in a while. Hendricks has been through so many ups and downs now in his career, but it's harder to be higher than he is right now. He is, I, he's so unbelievably intense too, which helps him mightily. The Hendricks, Hendricks also has one of the deeper bags of any guy on this list. Like he's got four to five pitches that he can turn to and, and snap off and, like, obviously, he lives with the 99-mile-an-hour fastball that he gets a ton of run on. Like, he gets a ton of carry on that fastball. Vertical movement is awesome. But he's the type of guy that dissects himself probably more than any other pitcher. And there's a reason that codifies, like, he said it without saying it. Michael Fisher from Codify, his favorite pitcher to work with is so obviously Liam Hendricks because Hendricks is so cerebral on the mound and he so wants to understand absolutely everything about himself. Um, We talked about it a couple of episodes ago. um, And if you haven't listened to Old Man in the Three, JJ Reddick's podcast, go do that because Aram and I kind of brought up over, over listening to the Kevin Durant episode because JJ Reddick asked Kevin Durant, have you mastered basketball? And KD said, no, I've mastered who I want to be in basketball. Liam Hendricks is as close to mastering himself as anybody in baseball because he puts in the hours to learn about himself and run with it. 
I'm just so happy for him too. Remember with Oakland, just so many roller coaster rides throughout a major league career. And now he's, he really is one B when we're talking about relievers. I don't know, dude. Yeah, I don't know. No, I do know. I do think he's one B. He leads in every single stat since 2020. Like every single one. 2019, every every stat. Like strikeouts, walks, ERA, FIP, X, war, expected ERA. Any any stat that you could probably find, he's at the top of it. There, there's a clear difference between the top two and everybody else. Hendricks is in that top two. Like I think there's a steep drop-off from Hendricks to Class A. But not and, a steep drop off because class I mean, all these guys are amazing. But I know what you're saying though, because they're just like class A has not entered the level of Hendricks hater. Or we we me. knew who one and two were going to be. We did, right? We do. So Hendricks is two. Um, I think the undisputed king is Josh Hader. He's the best reliever in baseball. He's been in the league since 2017, and Josh Hader has never put up a whip over one. In 58 and two-thirds innings of work last year, he allowed three home runs and had a 1.23 ERA. He's got a career 2.25 ERA. He's striking out 15 and a half guys per nine innings for his career, and he strikes out four and a half hitters per every one walk that he gives up. Opponents for his career are hitting 141 against him. I mean, you come at the king, you miss all the time. I think Hater's the best reliever in baseball. I think he's the best reliever in baseball too. I, I do. And it's, we look at Savant pages all day long, right? I mean, we're always just on this thing, looking, looking at pitch data, everything. I think Hater's Savant page is the one in baseball that has the most hundredth percentiles. Yeah. Like you look and half of them, he's the ultimate best at. Whiff rate, K rate, expected batting average, expected slugging, expected ERA, expected weighted on base average. These are some of the best stats that we have. And he's a hundredth percentile in all of them. Like Hendricks leads a lot of the counting stats, Hader leads a lot of the more unbelievable stats. He's just the best to watch too. The left-handed throwing machine. Do you remember? I remember last year when we put him on our uh, top 10 and it just started the left-handed throwing machine. <laughs> and then it just got into hater with the long hair and the 98 from the left side and the slider. That's like one of my favorite TikToks to watch is Jack breaking down Josh Hader like a year ago. That was a great one too, but we need the highlights to be put on TikTok to get the full effect and the violin. But think about him and the violin. Think about where he comes from, though. And I, I'm backing away from the mic to, to show you. Like, he's got long arms, and he comes from this low three quarters. I mean, he zips it across, right? It's, it's Chris Sale throwing the ball from right field. Haters yeah. throwing the ball from right field. He's impossible in lefty-lefty matchups, and he's really hard in lefty-righty matchups. Hater is I, – I think that, like, him over anybody – if you put him on the mound at a one-run game and he's got a lead in the ninth inning, game's over. That's the type of feeling that I get from Hater. And when it's not over, it's a moment to celebrate for baseball. Every home run hit off Josh Hader goes viral because it never fucking happens, ever. I think he's only given up 
seven home runs in his career to left-handed hitters. And he's been in the league since 2017. And you see the highlights of Cody Bellinger taking hater deep all the time because it happened once. It happened once. Like it's it's like the big play of the year when that happens, when someone gets a home run off Josh Hader. Not particularly Liam Hendricks, because the Yankees are still his legal father. Josh Hader, last year, 58 and two-thirds. Again, three home runs. That's half a home run per nine innings. It's a home run every 18 innings against Josh Hader. You, you don't get the ball out against Josh Hader. It, in... In this era of baseball where the home run is everything and all nine guys are swinging for bombs every single pitch, one home run every 18 innings against Josh Hader? Come on. That's the top 10 relievers list. I feel like we did pretty well here. This is a good list. I remember because we always you know, collaborate, of course, and you sent the first draft over to me and I said, I don't really have any changes except Jonathan Lewisica is the best in baseball, but yeah. that's not actually the case, but he will be one day. Eh, I not. think the only thing we flip-flopped was Presley at five, Devin Williams at six. I initially had Williams at five, Presley at six. I just think Presley deserves way more love. He's great. And he's been great now for a while. It's not like he just came out of nowhere from the Astros. He's been good now for a very long time. Yeah. So why don't you get some just baseball merch? Yeah, there we go. Uh, get some merch. Uh, join our chalkboard. You can find that in our link tree. Um, what else? Loop. Check out our friends at Loop. Breaks going on all the freaking time. Uh, Clayton Kershaw shouldn't have been taken out after seven innings yesterday. No, should um, not. What else? I'm, I'm currently sweating this Houston Astros first five under. It's my last pick of the day. Everything else is looking good. Great play of the day with the Dodgers. But Merrill Kelly and the Diamondbacks are shutting down the Astros offense. So Merrill Kelly is kind of sick. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, he does have pretty good numbers. He is solid, but is he kind of sick? No, Merrill no. Kelly is not kind of sick. Merrill Kelly is not kind of sick. So chalkboard, everything is in the episode description. And with that, thank you, everybody.